everyone. Welcome to Talk About Sustainability. I'm Millen, here with Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, Millen. Great to see you. Good seeing you, too. We got an awesome show lined up today. Uh, we got your buddy Juan, uh, we're going to talk more about. Uh, but, but really, we wanted to sort of get back into this mode about talking about sustainability and uh, more about how it impacts our overall health. Yesterday, uh, in the Boston area, it was like super sunny, really nice out, got a good breeze. Um, it was cool to be outside. We did some, did some yard work. Uh, I enlisted my three-year-old in, uh, in helping me out, put some, uh, put some yard waste in the bag. She enjoyed it. And, uh, and then my one-year-old tried to do it too. And, uh, that was, that was, that was cute. That was fun. Did they create more work for you to do or did they actually? No, no, I was, I was surprised. Like I had a, I had a shovel that was sort of Hannah's size. Hannah's my three-year-old and she was able to scoop it up and put it in the waste bag and teamwork. That was, that was the model teamwork. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, when we start looking at maybe getting a garden going here uh, in our own, our own house, uh, I think this, this proves to me that she, that my kids are going to be really interested in it. Yeah, we've planted a, you know, a couple things outside and moved some of the basil outside and the girls have a couple of sunflowers going and they're all about, they're like, oh, we got to take care of the garden. We got to water the yeah. plants. Of course, yeah. my younger one, Moxie, who's four, went up and went inside and filled a spray bottle with water and soap. And then I didn't realize this, that she was like spraying soap and water on all the plants. And like, you gotta clean, you gotta be clean, you know? You gotta... <laughs> yeah. but I, I think that's what she was thinking because of the pandemic, like, you know, while yeah. hands, so she was trying to do the same for the plants, but. Right. If it's good enough for us, it should be good enough for plants too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if plants are gonna like soap, but hopefully it wasn't too much. Well, you, you, you brought up the pandemic a little bit. Obviously, that's on everyone's mind, and, and rightfully so. I think last time we talked a lot about gardening and sustainability from a, a food perspective, but I think it's also really important to know that growing your own food and, and being able to pick and choose what you grow could lead to a much healthier lifestyle, and that's sort of what we were hoping to talk uh, to you guys about today in this episode. And uh, Jeremy, you, you have a really... Um, really interesting friend that, that we talked to and, and we're going to play your conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. So Juan Geraldo, he was a classmate of mine at Babson uh, during my MBA program there a couple of years ago. And um, he was starting his business at the same time that we we're starting the MBA program. And I think everybody in the class, there was a couple of guys, a couple of people that were doing that. And it was, a lot of us were kind of in awe of them that, Hey, you're going through the rigors of this MBA program at the same time as you're starting a business, which is, you know, as we know, a, ton, a lot of work and takes up a right. lot of time. And he was doing that and he, he, you know, was doing the research and he launched the product uh, called Waku, which is a healthy tea beverage from, that's kind of inspired from his home country of Ecuador. And it was really, really great. He started selling it first on campus and I picked it up, tried it. It was delicious. Was it, was it taste, does it taste like a, a drink that we maybe already know, or is it carbonated at all, or what kind of drink is it? No, it's not a, it's not a carbonated beverage. It competes with kombucha mm. and those types of products that have, are, it's really about the healthy gut properties, but it tastes kind of more like a juice 
then, you know, kombucha is a, typically a fermented product. Um, mm -hmm. I think it tastes really good and that's why I like it. And I mean, well, obviously I like the, the health benefits too. Um, but yeah, he was just such kind of like an inspirational guy, uh, watching him do this while going through the MBA program. And then he's just kind of taken off since we graduated, growing the business, getting into some of the, the bigger grocery store chains in the, in the area. And also always connecting back to where he's from and he produces all of the ingredients or he works with farmers in Ecuador and then they create the drink there and they ship it up here to sell it up here. And it's, it's really, I have one every single morning. Uh, I, I love waking up with that and um, gets my day started in the right way. So I'm really excited that we have him on the podcast today. I'm really excited to, to have him share his story and his mission with everybody and how he's going about trying to create this product that can really help a lot of people live a healthier lifestyle. So with that, I think uh, let's, let's get to the, get to your interview with him. Welcome. Today, we're really excited to have Juan Geraldo on the podcast. He is the CEO and founder of Waku which is a really fantastic beverage that I enjoy every single morning. Uh, welcome, Juan. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Curious more about Waku and how you kind of came up with the recipe and the formula for it. I know that it has a lot of great health properties. I have one every morning at breakfast. It, makes, it starts my day off great. How did you come about with that recipe? We did a lot of market research and realized that there is a huge market trend in the beverage industry moving towards gut health. And so when you look at the, at the gut health category in beverages in the U.S., it has mainly been dominated the past 10 years by a beverage that is called kombucha. Mm -hmm. So kombucha is good for the gut health, but it's, um, it has some limitations and it's getting to a ceiling in the market today because mainly it's an acquired taste. So the taste hasn't been able to go mainstream in the American market. And so when, whenever we thought that the, the uh, gut health beverage category went from $100 million in 2010 to $1.2 billion in 2018, um, we were like, all right, there is clearly a market opportunity in this segment. What can we do in order to, to fit this uh, market opportunity? So looking back to Ecuador, we grew up drinking a blend of herbs and flowers that in Ecuador is, is traditionally known as horchata. Um, these herbs are mostly anti-inflammatory and so they help you with inflammation and they are good for your gut. And so this is a, a recipe that we grew up drinking when you go to popular markets and popular restaurants. Um, that's what you get with your lunch uh, instead of soda. And so we, we said, okay, this, this product fits the market problem that we have identified in the US. It has a rich story to tell. Let's find the best tasting recipe and who to partner with. And so we, we went on a road trip from Quito, which is the north of Ecuador, to the south, the border with Peru. And we tried uh, 52 different types of recipes. Uh, we did research before we learned uh, which farmers' communities are the ones who grow these herbs which regions of the country are the ones who are um, drinking this product more often. And so we went on a road trip to look for them. And we landed this small town in the middle of the Andes. It's called Chukiribamba. And there, the, the farmers were so 
welcoming, so warm in sharing their traditions, sharing the way um, these aromatic and medicinal herbs have provided a lot of health benefits in their communities. This specific zone of Ecuador is known because of its people longevity. And people think it's because the integration of these herbs into their day-to-day -day lifestyle and also because of the quality of the water that comes directly from the volcanoes. Um, so that's how we found it in, in that farmer's community West, they uh, introduced us to the recipe. They told us all the story about it. We fall in love with the people. We fall in love with the taste, the product. And then we, we, we told them about the story. We told them that we wanted to share this tradition with the United States and that we would love to partner with them in order for them to supply the herbs. And with them, we developed that same recipe we tried with them. We then developed it with a food scientist in order to be able to scale. I can definitely attest to the the taste part and that's what definitely resonated with me you know I wanted something healthy and like you said kombucha a little bit of an acquired taste as a fermented product and waku is just delicious I remember when you launched it at Babson and it was down there in Olin in the refrigerator and we were Venmoing you payments for it it was yes I, I immediately just like fell in love with the product and I've been consuming it ever since and and I love that you you what you're talking about with regard to the farmers in Ecuador and and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about, about them and, and kind of the mission and the social mission behind your business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whenever we were starting the business, we had a, like six months prior to that, we read a lot about um, conscious capitalism and B or B benefit corporations. And we learned that businesses could have not only uh, profits, but also benefit people and um, society in general, the environment, right? And so we took an approach of a, a stakeholder-oriented approach whenever we were developing the idea. And whenever we went to the farmers, we had a lot of hypotheses, the same way we did with the market, right? A lot of hypotheses. We were interviewing our, our, our potential customers, understanding what were their pain points. That same methodology we went and used with the farmers. We had a lot of hypotheses around what were they looking for, whether it was education, health, etc. And whenever we were talking to them, they literally told us the only thing we would love to have is a reliable business partner who can buy from us consistently and, 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 and always commit to their work to buy the future crops because you know that agriculture requires deep partnerships because people are, are um, seeding and growing herbs for the future and you have to buy those in the future. They were just looking for a reliable business partner. And um, so, so that's, what we, that's what we brought to the table in the partnership. And we added a fair trade uh, pricing structure where we pay 15% premium um, to, the, to the farmer's community in order for them to improve their quality of life. Um, of course, we provided a lot of, um, let's say, legal assurance. I mean, we, we helped them to solidify the, their contract structure. For example, we set up contracts with them um, and we commit to buy a certain amount of crops in the next three, six and 12 months. And today we continue to buy from, from them. We started buying, um, I think the first year was about $10,000 we generated of income from the farmers. 
this year that potentially could be $75,000 of income and have expanded from less than 10 families to probably right now 35 families. Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting to see. I think uh, the way I like to think about it is we are helping them to have access to a value-added market where their, where their ingredients are um, considered premium and people pay a premium for them. I love that. Uh, yeah, hearing about your mission as, as when we were classmates um, definitely is something that I, I really like that you're, you're helping these people out, you know, dare I say, you know, helping them kind of live a sustainable lifestyle by getting access to, to these markets and having that reliable source of income. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about some of the health benefits that you touched upon. And from a personal standpoint, what are some of the other things that you do to practice a really healthy lifestyle? Yeah, so um, many of the herbs that we use are very popular in the US. I think you're probably familiar with chamomile, lemon verbena, mint, lemongrass, mm -hmm. peppermint. All of these, um, all of these herbs have different um, benefits to the body, but the most important that are common to all of these herbs is anti-inflammatory benefits. Um, a lot of things cause inflammation in the body. A lot of food causing inflammation in your in your um, in your IgE system, and so what these herbs do is they help reduce inflammation, right? And so the we don't have um, a specific science behind our product, but we rely on the science of each individual herb, right? That then we blend together. And so all of these herbs will help reduce inflammation in your gut. That bends, then that means that um, your immune system will be better because 80% of the immune system lives in your gut and you will just have a more balanced mood, hap uh, increased happiness, increased performance overall. Um, I don't know how that exactly has um, shaped my healthy lifestyle. I, I think about my lifestyle like a, as, as a holistic um, approach where it's not only about what I eat, but also what I think, what I, how I exercise. Um, it's who I am spending my time with. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a holistic way. I have, I call them rituals in the morning, um, that I do every single day in order to sort of stay positive and stay, uh, um, be ready for the day and be ready to, to, to solve any problem that comes. That plus um, I'm vegetarian. So I have a, I've been vegetarian for four years now. I have a very strict plant-based diet that in my case, I think it has helped me to reduce inflammation. And so it, it allows me to be, um, I feel sort of more active. I feel like lighter. That's the way I feel. And then a lot of water. Um, I drink a lot of tea as well. And then of course, waku with lunch and with dinner. So I think it's a holistic, I think it's a holistic approach, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and I exercise every day as well. I'm curious if you're willing to share some, I'm all about the morning routine as well. What are some of your morning rituals? My morning ritual is long, I have to say, but I'm happy to share it because I, I, I love it. Uh, so right now, since the, since the quarantine started, that my schedule is a little bit more flexible. I'm exercising in the morning. 
So I wake up first thing in the morning, 20, 20 ounces of, of water with a, bit of, a, a little bit of lemon and Himalayan salt for minerals. Then I exercise for 40 minutes and I do stretching for 15. Um, then I take my shower and all that stuff. And then I meditate for 10 minutes using Headspace. Um, then I write the five minute journal that it's a, it's a, a gratitude journal that I've, uh, Tim Ferriss recommended in a podcast and I've been doing it for four years now. Th then I do um, affirmation and, and visualization exercise. And then I write my journal five minutes every morning. And then I start my day. So I take, I take two hours, two hours and 15 minutes every morning. But if I can, if I make sure to do each one of these steps, I'm 95% sure I'll have a great day. And, I, and I'll, be able to, I, I'll be able to solve the problems that will come along the way. You know, after, after years of uh, trying to push the envelope in my, in my personal life and in my professional life, I know that if, if I cannot, uh, if I do not fulfill at least three of these, I'll have a, I'll have a, a tough day. Yeah. Is there anything that you do? that uh, you would recommend that has helped uh, you? I mean, I'm pretty similar. I get up and I kind of, the first thing that I hit is exercise, or like I hydrate and then exercise, but then I come back and stretch, meditate, um, have a waku. And yes. I do, I, I also do some journaling uh, where it's more just free form, but I always hit the first, the first thing that I write at the top is always something that I'm grateful for, uh, big or small, whatever kind of is on my mind that day. And, and you're right. I mean, if I get all of that stuff done in those first couple of hours of the day, uh, usually pretty early for me before my kids get up, you know, the day just is going to be a great day. And if you miss that stuff, if you, if you don't get up, if you sleep in or just skip it for whatever reason, then yeah, the day just doesn't seem to go as well. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I'm always curious about those, those types of routines and I'm a fan of, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast and, and his yeah, well, so I'd heard about his, uh, five minute journal. That's where and I learned about it. Awesome. Uh, I was wondering, could you share, uh, some of the, I know there's a, how many different flavors do you have now? So we have a five in the market and one launching soon this week. Actually, we are, we sort of launch already. Uh, but it will be available in Amazon and in our website um, starting on Friday. Cool. So we have six different flavors. The first one that we brought to market is the traditional recipe in Ecuador. So that one is called the lemon mint. Um, and then we've been sort of listening to what the consumer wants and also matching that with what Ecuador has, that it's great quality. So for example, we learned that consumers wanted a tropical flavor. You know, that, that consumers are into a sort of exotic tropical flavors. Ecuador has great passion fruit. We are actually the, the, the best, biggest exporters of passion fruit in the world. And so we created a flavor of, that has the same blend of herbs and flowers with this tropical flavor that comes from Ecuador. We have um, ginger lemongrass, which has been the best seller since the, uh, since the COVID-19 outbreak. Lemon mint, as mentioned, passion fruit unsweetened floral blend, unsweetened raspberry rose. And the last addition is the berries and basil, which is extremely tasty. That one, you guys should try it because uh, 
it's 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 definitely gonna be one of the best sellers. Oh, I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you you talked a lot about your online presence. Where can folks go to find out more information about Waku or 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 make some purchases? Absolutely, is www.livewaku.com. L i v e w a k u dot com. Then Amazon. Um, and soon you'll find us in Walmart Marketplace and um, and um, Instacart. But for now, uh, Amazon and, and our own website. Also, you can follow us in Instagram where we um, communicate more often at drinkwaku.com. Awesome. awesome. I, I highly recommend that people go check it out, try it. It's really great. Um, Thank you so much, Juan, today for being a part of this. Really appreciate you sharing your story and Waku's. It's really fantastic what you're working on. I love all the social mission stuff, the health aspect of it. It's really great. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Jeremy, for giving me the opportunity of sharing our story. So, Jeremy, you talked a lot about how you you yourself drink uh, Waku beverages and I think uh, it really came across and you're talking to him how, how dedicated he is. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, I know that you have even more than just a customer relationship with him and Waku. Can you maybe just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, after we graduated, Juan and Waku were doing a friends and family round, raising a little bit of money so that they could grow their business, uh, invest in new flavors and grow the team. and and make an effort to get in more and more stores. And so he was looking to raise some money. Uh, and I became an investor because one, I believe so strongly in the product. Like I said, I was a customer first. And I still drink it every day. And also Juan was so inspirational and such a, you know, a great entrepreneur, experienced op- entrepreneur. He had done it before back in Ecuador with his own business. And so I knew that he would be successful. So I didn't hesitate to put some of my own money into it and uh it's been a a fun experience a fun ride you know he's navigating the the changed landscape with COVID-19 but I think he's still on the right track and is going to be successful you know one of the things I really thought was was interesting about type of ingredients he's using is a lot of them are what people could be growing in their own homes too like uh, I believe ginger lemongrass was one of the more popular beverages, especially during this pandemic. Um, and, yeah. you know, we're not medical professionals, but I just did a quick Google search on ginger and it highlights a lot of the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties of that, uh, of ginger itself. And particularly now we need to be aware of our immunity to, to, to different things and our overall health and well-being. And, and so I think, uh, I don't know about you, but drinking and eating fresh things is much preferred to refined and processed uh, as we've, as we've heard for a long time. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I think there has been a move during this time that people kind of going towards those comfort foods, the, the sales of those, you know, the chips and the cookies and whatnot are, are up, but you're right. I think it's really important that we take care of ourselves so that we, you know, we're, we can withstand whatever's happening in the world, whether you get the virus or you're just dealing with living this quarantine life that can be really challenging. And so, yeah, you mentioned ginger, but there's a ton of different herbs and flowers in Waku that a lot of them have 
immune pro immune boosting properties and you know digestive health uh, properties that are really critical during this time and so uh, yeah I, I drink one a day but you know now I'm thinking about maybe I should be drinking more than that <laughs> <laughs> I mean it couldn't couldn't hurt right we could all use probably a gut cleanse every now and then yeah yeah We had a great interview with Matt on our last episode. Um, people have been telling me that they really liked what he had to say and the, the advice he gave. Um, I, I, I thought he did an awesome job. Yeah, I think he had a lot of great recommendations and advice for people how they can get started gardening. That's something you you kind of started too with like ghost peppers and like started small like he, he suggested. Yeah, ghost peppers might not have been the s smartest first choice. <laughs> uh, it's a little, you know, it's, it seems a little more complicated. I I, I tried it once. I got I got to try some more seeds. Aim but, high, man. You, you, right. you start aiming high. That's good. right. Well, what Matt was saying was, you know, some of the stuff that he recommended, like the leafy greens, the lettuces, yeah. a little easier, a little uh, quicker to get to a harvest point where you're consuming it. So. Uh, I've, I've started growing some of those and some herbs uh, per his record. And that's, that's what we're seeing a lot of other people do, just sort of anecdotally, uh, the concept of a victory garden is making a comeback. Uh, for those who don't know, back in the World War II days, victory gardens were more communally based. People would grow produce in their own, in their own homes and gardens to potentially uh, offset the burden on the national food supply. And uh, it really worked. It was it was a real thing, and and we're starting to see more and more of that uh, from a food aspect. Yeah, I think it's awesome that it's making a comeback. You know, this is something that people should be doing. It's 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 good for you. It's good for your your mind. It's good for your body. Like you know, it, it's good for the planet. And I love that it's coming back, and people are getting into. It. I and I've I've jumped on that that as well, and. Started growing. I was gonna say I know, you have a, you have, you've got you have some basil going and some. I got some basil going. We're we're looking to transfer that outdoors uh, yeah. at some point. It's just a question of mapping out the sunlight in my yeah. in my yard and figuring out what where it's too shady or, or it's too bright. Um, yeah, you know I was gonna say you. Oh, go I ahead. Was gonna say, Millen, that what I, I I have a couple basil I had a couple basils basil plants going early too, and I have moved them outside. And I don't know where I want to put, you know, an, an actual garden. So I put, I had, you know, several little basil plants going. So I put them in a couple different spots in the yard. So oh, that's smart. Test out how they do in different spots. And then, and then if there's a spot that seems like the best place, then, you know, maybe I can add some other things. Nice. I was going to say, you look like you've been outside. You got a slight, slightly more tan tone <laughs> well, going. It's good. A lot. I was out there in the sun a lot today. Nice. Well, that wraps up another uh, episode for Talk About Sustainability. As always, send your questions and comments to info at talkacore.com, as well as our Twitter handle at talkacore, T-A-K-K-A-C-O-R. Uh, in particular, love to know who you would want to hear from. Uh, we have a certain set of guests uh, that we're thinking about approaching, but if you yourself uh, know of anybody or would want to hear from somebody, uh, let us know. We'll we're good at cold emailing. We can we can get it done for you. Yeah, or even just a, a, a specific topic, we can you know leverage our network and try and find somebody to that will help shed some light on whatever you're you're thinking about in being more more sustainable in your life. But thanks everyone. Yeah. We'll see you for episode three. <laughs> <laughs>